If you would please remain standing, take out your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, starting in verse 17. Romans 14, 17 through 20. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that because of your grace, you call us to examine our hearts, to find out your direction, your heart for us in our personal convictions, God, that everything isn't laid out as yes or no or black or white, God, but rather that we can come to you and you can give us individual direction and guidance. And I pray for that today, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, each one of us. God, lead us and guide us in, in those things that you would call us to do. And Lord, we ask you for, by your spirit to convict us if there's areas of sin. Lord, I ask that you would please fill me afresh to be able to preach to this service. Help me to be led by your spirit. And God, that anything that is of me would fall on deaf ears. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Tuesday, you get to go vote. Yeah. You know, God puts you in America. He gave you a freedom. And I want to encourage everyone in this place, if you haven't already, to go vote. I mean, that's part of, of the blessing that God has given you in this nation. And, and I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. But I plan on talking to you on how you should decide who you should vote for. And it has to do with what we said last week, convictions. You see, we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ first and foremost. And so the decisions we make need to be based on what God has called us as believers to stand on. And so when it comes to deciding who uh, someone should vote for, who you should vote for, it doesn't really matter the political party it should stand on on what you believe is your convictions with regarding issues that are not laid out in the word of god because uh just a, a you know refreshing is from last week what is a conviction we talked about that in detail so if you if you want to you can go back and listen to that but uh just quickly a conviction is a strongly held belief in an area without clear biblical right or wrong commands that govern your behavior. It affects how you live. doesn't talk about which political party. doesn't talk about masks, no masks, vax, no vax. doesn't talk about those things. They're not primary issues in the Word of God. They're secondary, third, whatever. It's not an issue of can I do these things because the Word of God says it's right or wrong, but should I? Should I do, those, do this or that? Or should I go in this direction or that direction? It says in the Word of God that we're to be fully convinced that whatever we're looking at is not sinful. Okay, so that's why these issues never deal with uh, biblical truth with regards to the gospel in, uh, in, in the basic 
truths or foundational truths. We can disagree on when the second coming of Christ is, is going to happen, but we have to agree that there is a second coming. And um, when we look at those things, we see, you know what, uh, those, are sec- those are primary issues. And so we, we, we're not looking at uh, deciding, okay, should I or should I not if Scripture is very clear on it. Is it sinful or is it not? If Scripture de- defines that, then that's what we stand on and what Scripture says. Nor we, uh, we also need to be fully convinced that what we're going to do is going to honor God. It's what God is calling us to do in the situation. And that may be different in different situations. For me, I have an alcoholic background, so for me, I don't consume any alcohol. That's my conviction. Others would, and I don't have a problem with others uh, having the opposite conviction. It's just that's my conviction, and I have to live by it, which I do, do so joyfully. What we see is, is this, that we need to be fully convinced that it's not sinful and that what we're doing is honoring God. I love this statement. It, 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 it kind of sums up some of these uh, issues that we're dealing with. Thinking something is right does not make it right. In other words, if Scripture says, do not lie, it don't matter if you think it's okay to lie or not. It's wrong. Okay, so just thinking something is right does not make it right if Scripture clearly says it's wrong. Adultery. You can think all you want, but Scripture says, no, that's sin. But, but thinking something is wrong can make it wrong for you. Like with me. For me, it would be wrong for me to consume alcohol because I have this conviction. The Lord laid it on my heart. Don't do that, Dan. So for me, that's wrong. That would be sin. So in that sense, because I think it is wrong, it does make it wrong for me. And some of you might say, well, I'm not sure about some of these things. Well, here's a rule of thumb. Always go by it. If in doubt, don't. Don't. You're not sure. So don't. Relax. Err on the side of caution is what some people would also say. The thing about it is, is when we're talking about these issues, these uh, secondary issues, third level issues, whatever it might be, where there is nothing clear in Scripture that says this is right, this is wrong, and we're just trying to figure it all out. How do you, how do you approach some of these things, especially in today's world where things that you know, obviously wouldn't be in there in Scripture? What about other areas like you know, uh, should you wear shorts in church, should you not? Should you take out debt? Should you not? You know, some of these issues that uh, Scripture isn't real clear on. It doesn't say yes or no. What we see this is, is that every Christian liberty is clean by nature. Every Christian liberty is clean by nature. Take a look at God's Word. Go into a couple verses we didn't read. Romans 14, 14 through 23. I know that I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Talking about these liberties. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. That's what I was saying earlier. And then verse 23. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Talking again about last week. Certain people couldn't eat a certain type of food because for the Jews it might have been prepared wrong or it was the wrong kind. Or for the Gentile, maybe this meat was offered in an idol sacrifice. And so what he's basically saying is if you feel it is wrong for you to eat that, then you shouldn't. Somebody else can eat it. It's fine for them. It's clean for them. But for you it's unclean because you have a conviction against it. What it's saying is, is this, that 
something can become unclean or sin if it is done with the wrong motives or it is done in the wrong way. We're going to talk about that. The main point of this message is this. We need to let love govern the exercise of our convictions, both strong and weak, I'll add. Let love govern the exercise of your convictions. What about the weak? Okay, the weak in Scripture here in chapter 14 is described as people who abstain from something. That's good. For me, it would be alcohol. For you, it might be something else. Well, what can happen with somebody who has weakened faith is the clean can become unclean or sin if it is if we do what we think God is telling us not to do. It's that simple. The clean can become unclean. The thing that we think God is leading us to do, uh, to abstain from in this case, is uh, we decide to do it anyway. And so now we're wrong. We're walking in sin. Instead of honoring the convictions God has given us, we choose to go the opposite direction because our conscience forbids us to do what we're doing. And because of that, when we do it, we're sinning because we're not doing it in faith. We're not trusting that that's what God wants. So the big question is this. So then why are you doing it? Why are you doing what you think is God's telling you not to do? That's a big question, isn't it? Motive? I think sometimes it can be this, peer pressure. We want to look good to, with the people that we're with. We want to be accepted by them. And that's more important to us at that moment than it is honoring God. We want to be accepted and, and boy, he's all right because he's doing this and we're all together. Even though you know in your heart you shouldn't be doing it. And so what happens is, is that we're pushed into sin because we're so consumed with being accepted by others or being liked by someone. Another reason can simply be that we want the physical pleasure. In other words, we're finding our satisfaction in something other than Christ. I really want this joy. I really want this whatever. I know it's wrong for me, but, you know, I mean, just for a minute, just for a little time. I think sometimes, too, uh, it's amazing to me because I ask the million-dollar question, well, why are you doing something you really don't like or you really don't feel you should be doing? You know, like for me, okay? Um, I don't consume alcohol because of my alcoholic past. And secondary, I just don't like the taste of liquor. I just don't. And so I find people, you know, when I tell people that, they say, well, I don't either. And so my next question is obviously this one. So then why are you doing it? You don't like the taste of it. Why are you doing it? Are you trying to prove something to someone? I mean, do you normally eat food that you really don't want to eat? You really don't like the taste of it? I mean, I do. I eat greens every now and then, okay? But generally speaking, we don't go to this. You know, when you go to a restaurant, do you order food that you know you're not going to like? Well, of course not. So why are we doing sometimes the things we're doing, even though we don't like it? We don't like the taste. We don't like whatever. We've got to ask ourselves, what is our motive behind this? We can have the wrong motive for doing something. And that affects us in a sense that it causes us to walk in sin many times. God is not enough. 
we need others' approval or we, we, uh, we just want pleasure outside of Christ. And so ask yourself that if there's an area of weakness and then you find yourself maybe really uh, flexing in those areas where you have a conviction to abstain but you're not going to for whatever reason. Ask yourself why. And that's way something that is good, this abstaining. Uh, I'm using that term because I'm going to kind of mix the two together a little bit here. Something that you should abstain from, you don't. And so the abstaining was a good thing, but now you're not. You're making it into sin because you're not following through with your conviction. What about the strong? Strong, usually it's the way we do things that can become sinful, where the clean can become unclean. It's clean because it's our conviction. It's a freedom. As I said, uh, Christian liberties are clean by nature, so we have a freedom to do something. And so it can become unclean if we practice that liberty in such a way that it causes a weak brother or sister to violate their conscience. That's where a good thing can become bad. Take a look at God's word again, 14, 15 through 16. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. But what, do you, but what you eat, do not, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. So what's happening here is he's saying, listen, what's happening is I have a good thing, a liberty, a freedom. And I can walk in that uh, because in and of itself it is not bad. But what happens is, is if, if, I, if me exercising my liberty causes somebody who is opposite, who feels that God's causing them to abstain from that, causes them to violate their conviction and do something that they feel is wrong for them, then my freedom becomes unclean. It becomes evil because it's causing a brother or sister to stumble and fall. That's what it is. And that's what he's saying here. He said, be real careful with that. It can become a good thing can become considered evil. And what happens is then, what will happen? A brother or sister will, will say, yeah, you know, uh, they have their freedom, but I, I, you know, we always like to blame everybody else, right? I stumbled and fell, so how their freedom really affected me, or even the world. How can they say they love each other? He knew that they had a problem with that, and yet he still did that. And the world can look down on us as believers because I thought you were supposed to love one another, and you didn't care what they thought or what they did. Now I want to say this. You need to hold your convictions strongly. Hold them strongly. And you determine your convictions not through what your pastor says or your parents or anyone else. You figure out what your convictions are by going to God's word and in prayer and asking God what, you, what he wants you to do. That's how you find your convictions. You can get information from others. That's fine. But the bottom line is you draw your convictions by where you feel the Lord is calling you to and then hold firm to those convictions. But I would say this, in the areas of liberty, please understand that hold them firmly, but lovingly, sometimes you need to understand you don't always practice them anytime you want. That's love, okay? There's times when you need to withhold practicing those liberties because of a weaker brother or sister. Doesn't mean you give up on them completely, but there's times where you have to be wise and discerning and decide, yes, I'm going to exercise this liberty, or no, I'm not going to. And it's based on love. Love is that foundational uh, principle behind exercising our liberties. And the word here, destroy, 
In, uh, if you look, it says, uh, but what you, by what you eat, do not destroy the one whom Christ died. Destroy does not mean they lose their salvation. I want to say that because sometimes people will think that that's what it's reading. It's not saying that. We are secure in who Christ is for us. We are not affecting brothers and sisters in a way that, boy, if I do this, then they'll, they'll sin and they'll lose their salvation. You couldn't be farther from the truth on that, okay? What it's talking about there is it'll cause our brother and sister to sin. Our exercising our liberty without uh, being wise about it maybe can cause a weaker brother or sister to sin, which affects that fellowship they have with the Lord. That is what it's talking about, not losing their salvation. It's talking about them sinning. And just, just to clarify that, what we see is this, is that as we go through this, that love determines not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in front of the weak or the strong. Now listen to me on this one. Because what happens is, is we like to put all the weight on the strong person. Don't put any obstacles there. But I'm here to tell you that I've seen w people that are weak in convictions put just as many obstacles in front of the strong. So this works both ways. And I want everybody to hear that today, is that this is both strong and weak. We are not to put obstacles in front of our brothers or sisters, causing them to fall. Take a look at God's word again. Romans 14, 13. We're kind of going back and forth because it's mixed up there. Uh, verse 13, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another. That's the connection between verses 1 through 12 in this section of Scripture. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Never do that. And then in verse 20, do not for the sake of food destroy the works, the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. What is a stumbling block? Stumbling block here means that we would do something that would cause a brother or sister to fall into sin. And that's why I say the reference here is particularly towards the strong. But it also includes the weak because we can do that as well put something in, in, in the way of our brothers that would cause them to stumble and fall, and I'll explain that shortly. The first thing I would say is this. If you have, uh, uh, as the scripture describes it, you're weak in a certain area, you feel you need to abstain, one of the things I've seen with people in, with, with those areas of, of weakness, as the scripture defines it, is they get offended with somebody who's, who doesn't have that same conviction but they never told the strong one that they have a, they're weak in that area. They don't say anything. Guess what? If, you're, if you feel you need to abstain to something, I want you to know about something about everybody else. We can't read minds. You need to tell somebody. You need to tell them. Otherwise, you walk around, you're all offended. Well, they should have known. No, we shouldn't have known. We don't know. Tell us. Don't assume that we can read your mind. Say, you know what, I really struggle with that. Would you mind abstaining? Okay, then we as, as somebody as a strong has a decision to make. But, we, but you have to say something. Otherwise, what I've seen is this. Somebody who is weak in an area who needs to abstain doesn't tell people they're with about that, and they walk around offended with those people. And the people that, that had that freedom have no idea they were offended with them. 
So if you're weak in an area, you feel like you need to abstain from something, and you're with people that aren't abstaining, you need to tell them, I struggle with this. Please consider that. Then the strong, you have an opportunity to ask a question. Do you mind if I, uh, if I uh, exercise this liberty? For me, I don't have a problem with, with people exercising their liberty to have a beer or a drink or whatever. I don't have any problem with that. So when people ask me, I say, no, that's fine. Go ahead. So if you're struggling with a, a situation, you have to abstain, you're weak, you need to tell people, let them know. But I want both of us, both in the strong and the weak, to understand this, that we are not to impose our convictions on others with opposite convictions, causing them to sin. We can talk about it. I think we should. But we have to talk about it with a spirit of humility, not I'm right, you're wrong. And by the way, that goes for both sides. You see, sometimes we like to say, well, it's just the strong that walk in pride. No, it's not. I've, I've seen that issue in this whole COVID thing. Mask, no max. mask. Vax, no vax. I'm right, they're wrong. And they need to come my way. Pride is the foundation of both stances, strong or weak. So what I'm saying is, is that in this situation, what we need to understand is, is that we need to, to not try to impose our conviction on others. We can talk about it, we can explain it, but we need to do it in love and assuming the best of our brother and sister. I heard this so many times. I'll, I'll just share this. I heard this during the whole mask, no mask thing. The people that were wearing masks would say this. They would say, well, the people that aren't wearing masks, they don't care about us, they don't love us. Really? You want to draw that conclusion from somebody not wearing a mask? Really? Wow. But like I said, the opposite side was just as stubborn at times. I talked to someone earlier this week that said uh, when this whole COVID thing hit and the masks thing came up, what occurred was this. I didn't think that it was, I, didn't, I thought the mask thing was just, it was, it was a joke. But I was going to prove that they were wrong and I was right. And the Lord really convicted me of that, that I wasn't loving my brothers and sisters. So I, and he used Romans chapter 14 to show me my wrong heart. You see, pride was on both sides. And so that's why I challenge us. Listen, don't try to impose your convictions. Talk about, have a conversation. But in the end, love each other. Love each other, regardless of whether you agree or disagree. That brings me to this stumbling principle because it does not teach that we must refrain. If you have a liberty, it does not teach that you must refrain from something simply because another brother or sister disagrees with you. You don't have to restrain just because they disagree with you on something. For example, um, you may think that it is totally wrong to wear shorts in church. Okay? That may be you, you feel it's wrong. You shouldn't do that. Maybe you feel the pastor should always dress up. Maybe you have those beliefs, okay? But it, because somebody disagrees with you doesn't mean that, well, okay, then I have to, they don't think I should wear shorts, so I shouldn't wear any shorts to church because um, they think that's wrong. 
they disagree with your stance that it's okay to wear shorts. So do you abstain then? Where does it end? Where does it end? What about this? Sometimes what we need to understand is that this concept of, of stumbling block, also we need to be careful for that, uh, the fact that sometimes the weaker person has selfish motives. They want to control things. It's, about, it's not really about conviction. It's about control. It's about control. I want everybody to do what I want to do because I'm right and you're wrong. And I'm going to press it. And the motive is wrong, wrong, wrong. Sometimes it's an issue of sin. It's an issue of sin. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to lay our issue of sin, instead of dealing with it, we're laying it on some others. And I'll give you the example. Shorts in church again. Okay, maybe you have a conviction of shorts in church. You shouldn't wear shorts in church. It's just wrong. You've got to dress up. It's wrong. Well, then somebody comes up and says, I don't want anybody to wear shorts in church because that causes me to lust. Brothers and sisters, the, the context here is this. Somebody has a conviction against something, and by somebody exercising a liberty in that same area causes that person who has a conviction against it to go against their conviction. So if I were going to use the example, it would be this. I have a conviction about not wearing shorts in church. Okay? That's my conviction. And so I see somebody wearing shorts in church. So what happens is, is that I am tempted to wear shorts in church, and I violate my conviction because of that. So I'm wearing shorts in church. It's not dealing with the lust issue. It's not dealing with that. Because, see, that's where I think people misuse this. They misuse it and they say, well, they had shorts in church and was causing me to lust. They're causing a brother to stumble so they can't wear shorts in church anymore. Now, the issue of modesty is dealt with in Scripture, but not here. Not here. Because where does it end? The issue is the brother's sin issue with lust. And I'll say this. It don't matter if it's shorts or a low-cut shirt or pants that are too tight, or whatever. They're going to find a way to lust. Where do you draw the line? This here is talking about where you have a conviction, and a brother or sister has a different liberty, and you fall in your specific area where you feel you need to abstain. Okay? The issue of lust is something that that person has to deal with. And I want to say this to the ladies of this church. I appreciate the fact that you dress modestly. I do. I appreciate that. I commend you in that area. You're very good with that. But I want to say that if somebody's struggling, like I said, if it's a lust issue, they're going to find some way to... It's always going to be somebody else's fault, right? It's always somebody else's fault. It's their fault because they, their shorts were too short, or their fault because they're sweater was too tight, or it was their fault because, whatever. Listen, it's a sin issue. Deal with your sin issue and stop blaming everybody else for it. Okay, I love you. So I'm just going to call it the way it is. Here we're talking about just simply violating our convictions in a way that we now go against our convictions, not dealing with a sin issue. Okay? Like I said, there's other places in Scripture that will talk about that, but this isn't it. What happens is this, brothers and sisters, we find out that as we move on in these areas, that each of us are going to be defined as strong in Scripture in certain convictions and probably weak in others. So we can be both strong and weak in different areas in our personal walk. With me, I am weak when it comes to alcohol. I'll admit that. 
but I'm strong in other areas. And so what happens is, is that we realize that when it comes to this, we are both strong and weak. So we need to be careful, all of us, in how our behavior affects others, in both strong and weak. I'll give you the perfect example of somebody who's both strong and weak, right in Scripture. I would have a tendency to say that somebody who is pretty strong in their convictions is Peter. I mean, Peter, he was something else. I love Peter. But do you know Peter was really weak in an area as defined by Scripture when it comes to convictions? And it was due to his background, similar to mine, his Jewish background. Take a look at what God's Word says. 1 Corinthians 8, 8 through 9. Food will not commend us to God. This is Paul talking again. You can see how this reflects Romans chapter 14. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat or no better off if we do eat. doesn't make you more holy if you eat or not eat. But you got to stand by your convictions. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Now we go to, now we go to Peter. Okay, so here's Peter, Acts chapter 10, 13 through 15. And there came a voice to him, Peter. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, oh, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. I'm weak in this area. The law says I shouldn't eat certain things and I should eat other. Oh, boy, I can't do that. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. What was the point? What was happening here? Was, was God pressing Peter to violate his convictions? No, he was teaching Peter something. He was teaching Peter, listen, you have beliefs, but I want to take this and say, listen, this issue of food, it's really not about that for you right now, Peter. What I'm trying to get to you is that the Gentiles are okay for you to associate with. That's what he was getting at. So what happened is he had this vision three times, and Peter said, oh, no, not me. I'm not going to eat that stuff. That's bad stuff. That's unclean. God's saying, no, it's not. And the reason I put chapter, or verse 28 here is because this explains what was happening. It wasn't an asking to violate the convictions. He was using that as an example to say, hey, Peter, look at this. Look, you've got something you believe that's wrong. So I'm going to use this as an example. And in verse 28, this is Peter speaking because he went into a Gentile's house. Okay, And so God had used this example for him to start understanding that it was okay for him to associate with Gentiles. So Peter said, and he said to them, Peter said to the Gentiles he was with, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation, Gentiles. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. The point I'm trying to make here is not the parallel here, but just that Peter had a weakness. His weakness was, I can't eat certain foods. It's exactly what Paul was dealing with in Romans chapter 14. So we see Peter as a strong man, strong convictions, yet there was this one area that the scripture would define him in as weak. And we're all like that, every one of us. Maybe you can think of areas where, where you think this is right and this is wrong and other people feel opposite. Maybe it's gambling. Maybe you would never buy a lottery ticket, although I'm sure people that had that strong conviction probably made an exception the last couple weeks, right? One and a half billion, hey, I'm rolling the dice. You don't have a ticket, you can't win, right? <laughs> Two bucks! 
right? <laughs> Two by, but you see what I'm saying? Is that we have different convictions. Is that gambling? Is that not? If it is, should I, shouldn't I? Well, I'm comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with that. So what happens is we have weaknesses and strengths, all of us do, in different areas. And that's why I say, in everything, we need to treat others with patience and self-restraint and Christ-like love. Whether they abstain or don't abstain, whether they partake or don't partake, we need to treat each other with patience, with self-restraint, and with Christian love. That's why I'm saying with both of these, it's not just the strong that's expected. It's both groups are to love each other and to respect each other and our different convictions. For the weak, weak, here's one of the things I would say, uh, just a, a way to, to help you to, to maybe be more loving is this. Please, please stop policing your personal rules on everyone else causing division and dissension. Just really, I, stand on your conviction. Don't flex on it. But what happens is that we police everybody else and then what we do is we do what Romans 14, 1 through 13 says, we judge others and then we make a stance that say, I'm not, no longer gonna have fellowship with them. And like I said last week, I know people that are no longer fellowshipping because of church's stance on masks. Masks. Are you kidding me? He's saying, listen, stop policing everyone. It's your conviction. God called you to it. Live by it. Okay? Communicate that. Love us enough to communicate. Love us enough with the liberties to say, yep, you know what? You have that freedom. I don't. And you know what? If you're not comfortable with it, just say, would you mind abstaining when you're with me? I did that when it came to the masks thing. I had a certain stance, and my stance was, no, I don't. I'm not going to wear a mask. I mean, that's just my stance. But I would see brothers and sisters with masks on, and especially if I was counseling in particular, what would happen would be that I, I would say, do you want me to wear a mask? I want to be sensitive to you. Do you want me to wear a mask? And if they said yes, I'd put on a mask. Okay, I'm good with that. It, I, I want to love my brother and sister, and if that's what they feel. But if they said to me, no, you do whatever you want, I would do whatever I wanted. Okay, which was not wear a mask. Now, if that offended them, that wasn't my sin. It was theirs because I asked them. And they said, no, it was okay. So I wanted honesty in my communication. And then when they said, yeah, you can, you can do whatever you want, I did. I did exactly what I wanted. You guys, okay, if you're okay with it, I'm okay with it. I'll, I won't wear a mask. But I didn't want it to cause division in the body. For the strong, do you realize that in this situation between a stronger and a weaker person, you're the only one that has two options? The other person doesn't. If God is calling them to abstain, they have one option, abstain. But you, as the stronger, have two options. You can either uh, partake in whatever that liberty is or abstain. You can do either or. And it's not going to be, you're not going to be sinning against God. You have the option, if you're the stronger one, to decide, you know what? Do I want to, for the sake of my brother, abstain? Or don't I? I would say this. Please practice your liberty discreetly so no one can speak evil of it. That's the point that Paul is making here. Practice your liberty. Do it discreetly. You want to smoke a cigar? 
Do it at home, but don't do it at the church softball game. All right? Do it. Exercise that liberty, if that's a liberty that you have. Some people are going, he said what up front? Yes, I said that because I know some of you actually have cigars every now and then. Wow. And they're not going to hell because of it. And Jesus still loves them. It's amazing, God's grace, right? But practice your liberties discreetly. Be careful. Love your brother or sister enough to even if they say, eh, I'm okay with you not, and you sense that hesitancy in their voice, honor them. Say, you know, I'm not going to do that. Pull back. Use, practice your liberty discreetly so no one will speak evil of it. Who would speak evil of it? Well, your brother or sister in the Lord who's weak would. But here's something else. The world might. They say they love each other, but they don't really care about each other. He knew that that bothered them, and they did it anyway. See, somebody's speaking evil of your liberty. I, I love this. I, you know, I think it was Piper who said this, or something. I'm paraphrasing it, but he, he said it this way. He said, you know what? Jesus surrendered infinite freedoms and rights. He put aside all the, the rights and freedoms in heaven, put on flesh, came here and lived the sinless life and went to the cross and was punished for sins not his own. I think, Dan, maybe you can give up a little freedom and a little bit right of, right, of your rights. Don't you think, Dan? Yeah, I think I can. I think I can. So what I'm challenging us to do is that both of us both in areas where we're strong or whether we're weak, let us gladly yield to the other and commit to unity for the sake of the gospel. Take a look at God's word again. 14, 17 through 19. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not the external things, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. By walking in the Spirit is what he's talking about because those are fruits of the Spirit. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. And then in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, walk in a manner worthy of the calling for which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And finally, Luke 17, 2. Jesus speaking, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. It's a big deal. It may not seem like it to you, but it's a big deal to cause brothers or sisters to stumble into sin. And the weak can do that to the strong and the strong can do that to the weak. The kingdom of God is... Here and not yet. And it is the main thing, not the externals. And the foundation for us having this beautiful unity with our brothers and sisters that is reflected in, in uh, just a, a beautiful peace and a joy with each other is the fact that our standing with God is that we're righteous because of Christ, that we have peace with God 
and that we have a joy in our salvation. That's the foundation which, which our relationship with each other is built on, which is grounded in where the fruit of the Spirit is produced. It's in Christ and Him enabling us. So brothers and sisters, my call to all of us, strong or weak, whatever issue it is, is this. Let's follow Jesus' example and put others first. Put others first. Lay aside our freedoms and rights for a brother or sister, and the world will acknowledge that our Christian love is genuine. Look at how they love one another. Look at how they love one another. See, that didn't happen so many times in this whole COVID thing. There's division. We look no different than the church, than the world, causing division and all kinds of things. But may God do a work in us that we would put others first, put our liberties aside when we need to, and that the world would say, look at how they love one another. That gospel is real. That love is true. I want to be a part of that. That's why I say, in conclusion, just reaffirm the statement that I started with. Let love govern the exercise of your convictions, and it will bring glory to God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we are so different in this room with different convictions, with different pasts, Lord, but you call us to love one another. So God, whatever convictions we have, whether it is to abstain or to, uh, to delight in whatever it is, God, would you help us to, first of all, stand by our convictions? And secondly, Lord, help us to love those who have different convictions. Love them enough to put our own rights and our own freedoms aside. God, do this, Lord, for your glory, for your kingdom, that the world would stand back and say, look how they love one another, and that the gospel, the gospel would be moved forward because of that unity that you have created. So God, do this. Do this for your glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.